The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Good day, everyone. We're going to continue our conversation today with our guest, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's Chief Information Officer, Bob Sampson. Last week, Bob regaled us with his description of the key megatrends that would guide the New York way, as he put it, in the state's upcoming endeavors, including ubiquitous computing, the increasing importance of data, cloud computing, cyber embedded and everything, and how all four will provide the innovation that is accelerating everything New York State does. Bob, let's begin with everybody's favorite, security. What is the New York way when it comes to cybersecurity? Yeah, under under this governor's leadership, our cyber expenditures have increased 50x. Mm. So if you go from where we were to where we are, um, as a percentage of our IT budget, we probably spend more than any other state. Now, there's a reason for that is that we are probably more widely hack attempted uh, attempts on our systems than any other state. But that's just the nature of being New York State. You know, we're a big state. California is a big state. Ohio, these are all big states. They're more vulnerable to these kinds of threats. And, you know, as ubiquity has increased, so has your cyber threat uh, sort of horizon. And so you need to be attentive to this to stay ahead of these. You know, you, you know you're, you're installing cameras on your network. You got There's a lot of things that are entering your network that don't necessarily weren't necessarily there before so it's really driving a whole new set of behaviors on the, around this idea that all IT is cyber and everything we do it is the number one priority by the way in our uh, in our little world here is cyber uh, and it's inherent in every single thing that we do um, and that's the, that is the world that we find ourselves in. Yeah, it's that's very be. different than it was even six years ago. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting about this. I always said when I went from Massachusetts to California, they say, what's the what's the big difference of being CIO in those two states? And I said, well, challenges and, and issues are pretty much the same, except in California, everything has three or four more zeros at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is a that is a great point. I had this discussion the other day with somebody about complexity. All state governments are complex. I don't care what state you're in; they're all complex. That is just the nature of it. You know, you have local governments. You have you know in New York State, you have towns and villages and cities and counties, and so you, and then you have state government. It is complex. It sure is. But the diff, and, and there's a difference though between complexity and scale. You're referencing scale from Massachusetts to California. It's the same thing here in New York. We operate at scale, and that's a different, a little different set of challenges when you're trying to operate at scale. In our case, going from 53 data centers down to one, we consolidated about 140,000 square feet of data center space to 30,000. So, and we operate at scale. We have 150,000, uh, you know, state workforce. We've got over 200,000 plus devices in our network. So it's a it's scale, mm-hmm. but we also recognize that every state is complex in terms of how the work is done. Sure. Let me jump around here a little bit. We've been t- discussing the things like consolidation and things like security, which are critical, obviously, but sometimes I refer to these as the mundane. But the sublime things, the sublime initiatives that public sector CIOs can be involved in, 
they're really different. And one of them, I think, is the whole new initiatives around government and citizen experience. And I know in New York, you're doing a lot in that area. We spend a lot of time in that we've consolidated all of our web uh, development is in one place. Uh, we actually have uh, one of the largest uh, Drupal teams in the world. Uh, Drupal tells us that anyway. Uh, and th- this is a priority. All of our websites have a common look and feel. We have a New York State portal. We're actually building right now, and we've announced uh, 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 or elements of it already, which is the New York Business Express. So if you want to start a business in New York, you can go to one place, get online, apply for it, and let the system do all the back office work for you. This is a revolutionary thing because, you know, in most states, because it gets back to the point of complexity, you go from this department to this department to this department as you're trying to apply to be a business in a given entity. Uh, or given state. Um, so New York State Business Express is a great example of where you can actually um, go online one place, apply once, and a lot of that back, back-end work is done for you. The other thing we've done uh, are things like you mentioned the plan ins- inspection app. We built uh, all the systems that manage the Excelsior Scholarship in New York State. If you qualify, you get free college. Um, the day we turned that system on, we had over 175,000 people going online to apply for their uh, Excelsior scholarship. Mm. We're, we're working with the opioid crisis with a uh, treatment availability dashboard so you can go online if you're in crisis and see what um, solutions and what help is available to you. So a lot of this, though, is always put in a way where it's easy for people to access. There's a common look and feel across it. Um, it's not like, you know, each one is different. They all have a, a common look and feel. And we have a New York State portal that helps you manage across that as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge priority. The other thing we spend a great deal of attention to is accessibility. Uh, and that cuts across different demographics, uh, different, uh, uh, you know, uh, situations that people have in their lives, uh, but to make these systems available and accessible to everyone. Interesting. Very interesting. Let's let's shift over one more time to the workforce. All, not just government agencies, but uh, the entire economy as well, when it comes to the whole issue of, of grooming the workforce. You're doing some things in New York that are relatively in, uh, ingenious, if you ask me. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, first off, it, it, it is, I could almost characterize it as another megatrend, but I, I dare, I, I'll keep it at five because I'll, otherwise I'll lose track. But um, the other one is this whole notion of workforce development and a paradigm shift for how you train the next generation workforce, and maybe even more importantly, how do you attract them to state service? This is always a challenge, for sure. And our sense is that when you begin having a discussion with uh, a student that is getting ready to leave college after going through college, the idea of innovation that matters and applying their skills and talents and having them see how their contribution can make a difference is one way to do it. But you also have to make it a compelling place to work. So we're going to invest in your skills. We're going to spend time training you, educating you. And so a part of this is uh, we have about 150 interns that now work in this agency. 
Uh, it's more uh, than, than most, quite frankly. Uh, we've done a very good job of attracting the kind of talent we need. Our chief information security officer, her name is Deb Snyder, she is an adjunct professor on cyber at the University at Albany. So she has a good uh, you know, contact, a good pipeline uh, to get to the talent. But you know, we also compete with you know, the banks and the financial institutions in New York State for talent. But it gets back to the fundamental idea of the work and how meaningful it can be for them and where they can see their skills and talents applied in a unique way. The other thing we have locally, starting at the high school level, is a high school called Tech Valley High School. Now, Tech Valley High School was the first in the nation high school of its kind, where students learn each of the individual disciplines you would you would imagine around math and science and physics and all the different uh, uh, normal track that you would see in a high school, but it also introduces a concept of project-based learning. So. As part of their project in that school, they work on a challenge that needs to be addressed. Uh, and they work collaboratively as a team. Each one of them has their skills and talents, and they bring those to bear on solving a problem. It's problem solving. It's apply, applying the academic credentials you are gaining in a way that allows you to see the benefit of what those skills can provide. So this this project-based learning idea is a whole new paradigm. If you get a chance, uh, you could go, go take a look at their – they have a, a website, Tech Valley. I think it's uh, .edu or something like that. I'm not sure I get the website for you. But it's a new way to learn because when you come here, much of the work we do is centered around doing projects for agency built on our idea of innovation that matters. We conduct a thing called innovation summits with our agencies. And we try to identify what their grand challenges are. Mm. I define a grand challenge as something that maybe heretofore they thought might have been impossible to solve. Sure. But be, because of how we operate both at scale and in the consolidated fashion that we work, uh, we have good proximity to the assets we've been building and the skills that we have across the organization. And I dare say we're in a far better position than we've ever been to begin working and addressing these grand challenges that these agencies have. You know, one of the things that we've uh, discussed over the years, it seems, the procurement reform and regulatory reform, but another one is that, I found, that I, I've found very, very interesting, and I know New York's been looking at this too, and that's the issue of performance measures, performance management. It's one of those ideas in government that's really not gotten the traction that uh, it has, obviously, in the private sector. Are you looking at that in New York, and what are your ideas around that? Well, first off, I should send you a copy of our strategy. Uh, our strategy document highlights key areas that we measure ourselves against, and one is performance. In our world, uh, there's a lot of performance. There's literally hundreds of performance measures. I mean, if you take our chief operating officer, in any given year, she makes 60,000-plus changes, updates, to our infrastructure, both our network infrastructure, our Excelsior cloud infrastructure. It's incredible. It's an incredible scale just by itself. Now, the way we measure ourselves is with our clients. So our clients have certain expectations about this goes beyond SLAs, by the way. I think SLAs is more of a, um, a quaint idea. Uh, it's really 
are you doing the little things for your clients? I mean, we can talk about the grand challenges and solving those, but how good a job are you doing executing on the things like getting computers, rolling out workstations, getting printers in their hands, things that you might consider to be mundane or the little things, but it's having the right performance metrics that measure starting at that level to make sure that you're executing on that strategy in a way that they're satisfied with what you're doing, because if they're not satisfied with you doing the little things, you're going to have no credibility to have a discussion about doing the bigger things. Well, that's that's very true. In fact, uh, you know, I think I think the whole issue of performance measure, measurements in government is critical to this century. In fact, I always I always look back that uh, at Chesterton, Gilbert Keith, old uh, G.K. used to say, uh, you know, he used the I'll paraphrase him. He used it about Christianity, but I use it about performance management and performance management has not been tried and found wanting. It's been tried, found difficult and abandoned. And that's what happens so many times because it is hard. It is. And a lot of times uh, there's a lot of resistance to that kind of thing, particularly in the in the public sector. But that's where we're going. It's like you said, I mean, people are interested. It's front page news in California now about how. How, how long the lines are at the Department of Motor Vehicles. I mean, the public doesn't want this anymore. They want it fixed. They want it to be like Amazon or like any of the other, uh, uh, the other technology companies that are so prevalent uh, in Silicon Valley and places like that. It's not happening that, the way it should. That is so true. And it's, you know, you can compare yourself to other states. Uh, maybe that's a good idea. I've always, we tell our people, I don't compare ourselves to other states. I compare ourselves to Amazon, compare ourselves to Google, compare ourselves to Apple at the job that they do. And that, that is what the citizen expects. That's what our employees inspect. We have 150,000 employees in New York State. They can go online and, you know, two mouse clicks and they get some package delivered to their back door. That is the level of service you have to provide. It can't take weeks and days. It's got to be done exactly as they're used to seeing it done when they're not here. Yeah. So that's, the, that's sort of the grand sort of challenge to make sure you're living up to that level of expectation and standard because that's what people want. That's what they're demanding, actually. Absolutely. Well, this is the last question, Bob. There are 36 gubernatorial elections in just a few weeks. In fact, one in New York's. Uh, and I was talking with, I mentioned earlier, Doug Robinson, the NASIO executive director, and he estimates that at least 15, and in fact, it could be as many as 20, maybe new governors and new CIOs come early 2019. What, have you, what advice do you have for them? Well, you know, I, first, uh, if, they've, if a new governor is coming into their state, the first thing is to get in front of that new governor and talk about how meaningful technology can be to transforming the citizen and business experience in their state to improve outcomes. And you can start with things like, you know, we're going to improve child welfare. We want to attack sex abuse, human trafficking, some of these grand challenges that not state, states face, but society faces. And each one of those, Every single aspect of state government, every single aspect is touched by technology. And the starting point for that discussion has to be in the policy decisions that get made, because inherent in those technology, uh, those policy decisions are technology components. It touches every aspect of it. That would be the message I would want to communicate to a new government. It touches everything that you do, and perhaps more importantly, everything that you want to do. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, I would add my advice uh, and just say it's great to have a plan. And a SAGE-like commission like yours to provide such a foundation would be critical. Hope they do it. Well, but remember, in New York, the starting point was with our governor, who saw technology as being horizontal, transformational, and the need to be secure. That was visionary. That was a visionary idea that captured everybody's imagination to say, you know something, we got to go, and we got to move fast. And that's what happened. Well, it's been great talking with you, Bob. Sounds like you're really enjoying yourself. I'm having a blast. I work with wonderful people, uh, and that's what makes the difference. I know you know that better than anybody. And uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to get together and have a, uh, a chat again. And with that, we will conclude our interview with New York State Chief Information Officer Bob Sampson. Thank you, Bob. And please join us next week for an exploration of novel approach that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has taken, utilizing data analytics in a very interesting and a very, very important way, which you'll hear about in just a second. Here are just a few excerpts from the interview with Dr. Perry Rosen, the project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant. Currently, suicide is the second leading cause of death among youth. In Pennsylvania, we actually, for our most recent year on record, we actually lost 242 youth between the ages of 10 and 24 to suicide. And um, other data that we've collected, so in Pennsylvania, we do the Pennsylvania Youth Survey. It's a voluntary survey that schools can participate in, and it's very similar to the National Youth Risk Behavior Survey that looks at a whole range of, you know, different risk and protective factors that students are dealing with in schools. And with this Pennsylvania Youth Survey, we are able to, you know, hear directly from youth. It's self-report. It's administered to middle and high school students. And from that survey, we know that it's about one in six students that report seriously considering suicide in the prior 12 months. Mm. And it's about one in 10 that are actually reporting that they attempt suicide. And then looking more at some of the risk factors, um, mental illness, it, it gets into some depressive symptomology type questions and students are reporting, so it's up to a third, around a third of students at the statewide level that are, you know, reporting that they are, you know, feeling sad and depressed most days during Uh the past 12 months. That was Dr. Perry Rosen, the project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant. She also had something very interesting to say about the broader screening efforts that could reach beyond just suicide, but a whole range of youth behavioral aspects. We've actually done a lot of work through this project to help schools think more broadly about their suicide prevention efforts. So, you know, typically schools have really taken a reactive stance. So once a student comes forward and makes a comment or a statement or has demonstrated some other warning sign, they've stepped in to intervene. But really, a lot of the other efforts that schools are doing right now, for example, bullying prevention, trauma-informed practices, you know, mental health education, those are all getting at the risk factors for suicide. And so there's now this new focus on upstream approaches to suicide prevention, which look at reducing those risk factors and trying to build up protective factors even prior to the onset of suicidal thoughts and behaviors. So, you know, even though our grant is focused on suicide prevention, we really try to help schools think about it from that broader standpoint. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Dr. Rosen next described the survey itself and the data they began to track. First and foremost, we want to look at suicide risk. And so the survey asked for current suicide ideation or current or recent, which is really described as um, any ideation within the past week. And then it asked for a history of ideation. And the tool that we're using uses skip logic. So 
on average, it takes students about 10 to 15 minutes to go through, but obviously, depending on what items they endorse, other items pop up. So if students are endorsing those items related to suicide, then additional items will pop up to ask them about a plan or ask them about a prior attempt, for instance. Um, the other domains, uh, the other scales that are really looked at on this measure are depression, anxiety, trauma, eating disorder, um, and substance abuse are, are some of the other domains that we look at as, you know, significant risk factors and obviously other areas and avenues for early intervention efforts when they're identified. One more teaser for next week. Again, Dr. Perry Rosen, the project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant. Here she's describing the adoption of a data analytical tool from a Baltimore firm, MD Logic and the process they use to track student mental health issues. This is a tool that our grant team had used previously on other grants to screen in, in primary care settings. Um, and so now it's, it's moved into the school settings. And everything, it's, it's actually the platform that we're using is very easy. Um, it's easy for us to kind of pull that data, and it's also easy for schools because everything is web-based. When students go on for the screen, they log in just as they would for any other type of website, and uh, the score report generates instantly. So as far as efficiency goes, that makes it easy for school staff to, uh, you know, pull up that score report and look at that while the students are still there to do that next phase in the screening process, which would be the follow-up. They also have the ability to pull down aggregate data, which the school districts have used in, in a variety of ways to advocate around their school mental health and expand those services for students in the schools. Good stuff, huh? Well, please join us next week for the full interview with Dr. Perry Rosen, the project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant under the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services. And thank you for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, as part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to the show on iTunes or Podcast One.